1: Hello everyone and welcome. Welcome to the Patricia Raskin Positive Living Show. I'm very excited to have on one of my favorite people. Um, this show is about turning your obstacles into opportunities and your problems into solutions, and certainly today is no exception. My guest who I have on every couple of months is Paula A. Marshall. She is the CEO, Chief Executive Officer of Bama. And Bama um, is company started in 1984. And they make the apple pies and fast food desserts for Walmart and for McDonald's and for Pizza Hut and for many other places. And it now includes Bama Pie, Bama Foods, Bama Frozen Dough, Bama Europa. And under her leadership, Bama has expanded to provide a wide variety of frozen desserts and baked goods to fast food chains and casual and family dining restaurants. And she's the author of five books. And she also, this business is a family business, which started about 80 years ago on her grandmother's kitchen table. And Paula is a native Oklahoman, and she recently was inducted into the Oklahoma Hall of Fame. So, welcome, Paula, and congratulations. Thank you, Patricia. I appreciate that. It's good to talk to you again. Yeah, it really we is. The you have been
2: busy running, doing stuff,
1: so it's good to catch up. I know. And you know, um, this is something that I'm going to read that you wrote when you received that great honor of being inducted in the Oklahoma Hall of Fame. You said, I'm grateful for this honor because Oklahoma is where I live, work and care for my family. I owe a debt of gratitude for all the help, support and love I've received over the years from my fellow Oklahomans. And you are a third generation Tulsan. So tell us a little bit about all that, you know, kind of, growing up in Tulsa, and how that all happened, and then you started, really, you know, when your father owned the company, you were a child, and helped in the business, and now you are the CEO, so talk a little bit about the origin here, the, um, the story.
2: Well, my, uh, my dad wrote a book called A Piece of the Pie, and it is oh. also available uh, on Amazon, but, and it tells his, it chronicles his story, which is from his, up, you know, his roots, which were uh, in Texas, actually. So my father uh, was born in Texas, and uh, my grandparents had seven kids, and he was number six. Mm-hmm. So uh, they lived out on a farm. There was a lot of poverty. Um, he remembers eating sweet potatoes all day and and uh, not having shoes and and not Mm. having a lot of money and not having clothes and and a lot of conflict was arising with my grandparents because they were, um, you know, more interested. My grandfather was more interested in staying on the farm and trying to prove that he could do uh, the farming aspect to her family who were also farmers, but they were from Mississippi and I think he just didn't want to be the son-in-law that failed, you know, so he was, by golly, he was going to keep keep going, and uh, no matter what happened, he was going to stay on that farm, and my grandmother was like, no, nah. <laughs> I'm not uh. staying here, so she took the kids on a covered wagon. My dad chronicles that in his book, remembers the trip when he was seven, and, uh, you know, that was just in
1: the nineteen. 19- you know, twenty late nineteen wow. twenties, and so so she you know, really left with all. A wait a minute, she wagon. left with all the. <laughs> I didn't know this, Paula. So she left with all the children, and started yeah. a life on her own with all the children. Yes. Oh my. Yes. God. Wow. Did. Way and back in the twenties, went to the closest town, which was
2: Dallas. Mm. Yep, and so she uh, she was she went to a, a cousin's. Um, Oh no! You remember well in the old days. Instead of people VR, VRBOing, they would sell out like guest rooms. So they if they had a big house and they didn't have anyone living there, they would charge a room rate. So she had a cousin who moved to Dallas and had a big house, and so she said, "Yeah, I'll rent you a couple of rooms." And so wow. my grandmother said, "Well, yeah, you know, I got to go f- get a job to figure out how to pay for this," and so she went down to the local Woolworths drugstore, and in those days, Woolworths was, a you know, it's not around anymore, but they mm. had a, a bar with food being served, and then when the Depression came, uh, there were a lot of people out uh, mm. in lines, you know, food lines and things like that, so um, one day, my grandfather came down there and said, what are all these lines for? And the the owner of the Woolworths Drugstore said, well, they're all here lined up to eat your wife's pies and mm-hmm. her food, actually. So she became like the grill grill chef, running the grill there. And wow. my parents were, you know, had not met yet. My dad, you know, was little. So um, my grandfather concocted this idea to start a pie company under her name uh, while she was maybe not working. Uh, mm. In the hopes that they could grow it to the point where then she could quit and you know focus on that full time and that's basically what happened.
1: But but Paula, they weren't together though, or were they? Did they stay together? Your grandmother and yes. grandfather? Yes, yes. He came back. He came back and and
2: noticed that uh, you know that this was uh, you know the type of thing that um, could the, grow. You know women didn't do, you know, like women didn't just up and leave their husbands and women didn't have access to credit and women didn't go get jobs. And, but it was the depression and there was a need and she had a a proven ability to be able to cook. And so he hired her right away uh, for the diner there. So that, that began the, the relationship that my father had with food and with, uh, you know, cooking and with, you know, the love of his mother and and him being mm. the, the baby son, I think she had a, a special place in her heart for him, too. So he always uh, was interested in helping his mom, you know, as how, she was working and working two jobs and all that type of stuff. How, so how did the pies when, happen? Yeah, my grandfather did apple- didn't always see eye to eye. So when my father was about 17, he decided to leave the family business in Dallas and uh, joined my aunt, who was quite a bit older than him, who had started a pie company in Oklahoma City. Mm. And so my dad and my mom met, and then my dad and my mom ended up moving to Tulsa um, to start their own business there.
1: Mm. But what happened? How did the apple pie start with your grandmother? Because you said she made other things besides just cooking. How did the apple pie kind of be be the mainstay?
2: Well, she, you know... uh, that having a, a, a full service bakery, um, ex- with the exception of bread, they did not make bread. They did not, she did not know how to make bread, nor did she want to make bread. So she focused on desserts, pastries of all kinds, donuts, uh, in, and of course, apple pie, uh, and cream pies and those types of things are, are, you know, a staple in the United States diet for a long yeah. time. And, uh, that allowed her to say okay i'm going to pick you know s- several of these products and i'm going to set all my kids up in bakeries around mm. you know around the united states and that was their idea of distribution if you will on a that's a, amazing s- sort of a regional scale cuz each one of the kids at one point in time had a ba- had their own bakery
1: so but here's but here's uh, my, my question how
2: did she, and how mom did My pick delivered fresh products every single day to oh. Local grocery stores uh, to local restaurants to um, anybody that had a restaurant, they would they would have a have a product going in there from the route the route drivers and the guys that would deliver the products every day. So so Paul, but they got question... up at midnight and made everything fresh.
1: Wow, that was so. That how, was did, how did how did your grandmother how did your grandmother pick your father's seven children? How did, your fa- how did your father, I mean, it could have been any of the other children, correct? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, my dad
2: was the one, I think if, if I, you know, listened to him correctly when he was raising myself and my family, that, uh, you know, he, he had passion. He loved the business. Mm. There was nothing else in the world he wanted to do. And so, when you bring that kind of dedication and yeah. that kind of um, you know focus and determination um, that that's a that that is really a recipe that works for family businesses, regular businesses, any kind of any kind of enterprise. and I think you find this to be true in your work, Patricia, because you want to focus on positive things and And get good stories out there and have a way of, you know, putting out positive energy. Mm -hmm. And that's a dedication that you've had to your your career. Yes. My father was like that with with desserts and pies. And so the apple pie was something that became, it evolved because it was more Americana and it was more desired by the customers
1: that he was going after. Mm, That's interesting. Well, you know, we're going to take a break in a minute because when we come back, I want to hear the story about how he worked with McDonald's and how he knew Ray Kroc. I know you've told that before, okay. but I want to share that a little more. And then kind of how that all, you know, it was infused in you because it was, I mean, obviously, and you were the woman and many times it's the because you had brothers. So I, I, I really want to, you know, hear the rest of this story. It's Fascinating, fascinating, and and also too, Paula. In knowing you over the years, you have a passion for this business. You love this business too.
2: I do. This is this is uh, you know I'm I'm again I'm fortunate to be able to uh, work with my dad and understand the impact and the role of passion, you know, in in business and uh, purpose. And I have built that into my relationship with my children and. And uh, my nieces and nephews and cousins and everyone else that thinks that they want to work at the company. And we talk about passion. We talk about it's important that you like what you're doing and that you want to be here. And that it's not something you feel that you
1: have to have to do. Mm-hmm. It's a, There's always a choice, right?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Absolutely. All right. Um, on that note, we're going to take a break. Paula Marshall is a third generation Tulson. Um, she started on the production line at her, in her late teens. Uh, for Bama companies serving and now she serves as the CEO of the Tulsa-based international food manufacturer. And she for, reinforces the model daily of people helping people be successful with caring and accountability. And under her leadership, Bama companies has expanded its facilities to seven locations worldwide. And an increase in revenues from 30 million to more than 350 million. The company's clientele includes number one hamburger and, and number one pizza restaurant chains, and also is certified for the social environmental performance and legal accountability, including um, one of the first manufacturing B Corps in Oklahoma. And she was awarded. Um, She was awarded by the Oklahoma Hall of Fame as one of its inductees last year in 2021. So we're going to come back with Paula and hear more about her family story and, you know, how that translated and what it is we can do when we have a real passion in life and how do we weather all those bumps because we're going to have them. You're listening to the Patricia Raskin Positive Living Show right here on voiceamerica.com, America's Voice, and we'll be right back.
3: Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Psych Up Live with host Dr. Suzanne Phillips offers a psychological perspective on coping with common and current life issues. This show addresses topics as varied as marital stress, insomnia, depression, raising teens, campus violence, and building self-resilience. Listen in as Dr. Phillips and her guest experts share the latest in books, findings, and information that will inform and enhance your life journey. Psych Up Live is heard every Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. What are the labels that identify us? Who are we, and how do we figure out our place in the world? Do we own our narrative? If you were to create your biography today, what would it say about you? Listen for Dropping In with host Diane Dewey, the author of the award-winning memoir, Fixing the Fates. Diane and her guests will give their version of finding themselves. Find out about your authenticity by dropping in every Friday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time and 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel.
4: Join hosts NaviNav every week for Good Morning Canada. Our home is Canada, but our message and reach is boldly global. Our focus is on the alternative perspective, the Hidden Dimension and the Expansive Horizon. Ideas are designed to be challenged, perceptions shattered, and information balanced. We invite you to visualize the converse viewpoint. Dare to be acquiring, but always promise an hour of lively fun. Listen worldwide at 12 noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific Time, on the Voice America Variety Channel.
3: Streaming live. The leader in internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com.
1: Hello, everyone, and we are back, and I'm talking with one of my favorite guests, Paula A. Marshall, who is the CEO of the Tulsa-based international food manufacturer, Bama Companies. And the Bama Company mission is people helping people be successful with caring and accountability. And under her leadership, Bama Companies has expanded to seven locations and grown from $3 to more than $350 million. And... And their clients include number one hamburger chains like McDonald's, number one pizza restaurant chains, and and many others. And she was recently honored um, into the Tulsa Hall of Fame, and in two thousand and actually in two thousand and twenty twenty one, actually the Oklahoma Hall of Fame in twenty twenty one. And she's won many many awards. Welcome back, Paula. Thank you very much. Yeah. So you know here's what i really do want to talk about i mean certainly going on with your family and how you became the ceo your brother could have but you became it and you know you've really brought this company but you know there have been so many ups and downs and uncertainty since covid i mean in terms of supply chains drying up you know transportation being able to get people the food they need being able to supply the stores you know how have you weathered that how has bama weathered that and how do you keep moving forward without throwing your hands up in the air which you probably do once in a great while but how do you how do you keep moving forward how do you handle that
2: well you know i mean this i would i would say that this year is probably this past year probably it started about uh midsummer last summer that all of a sudden we couldn't get people to come to work and after the pandemic Mm. and there was a lot of pent-up demand and all of a sudden we couldn't get the product out, we couldn't get things made, we were starting to have an awful lot of issues and, um, you know, we just kept looking at, well, what's, what's going wrong here? What's going on? And, you know, we've, We've had to, you know, I mean, not had to. I mean, we want to always pay people market rate. And that's been something that's been a big thing of mine for many years. Um, but when a company has to absorb uh, 20 to 30 to 40% uh, hikes in in, in mm-hmm. pay, um, then you have to go to the customers and say, okay, well, we've got to take, you know, pricing. And then you start all these discussions with customers that you really hadn't been in discussions with for a very long time. And it just, all of our relationships started getting very strained. Mm. Um, We take pride in our customers and our customer base and the people that we've always had that we've been able to work with. And Mm. it's just become very uh, adversarial. So we've had some customers that have, you know, have left, and um, we've had to remove ourselves from some of them, and I think it's just been a very trying, it's been very concerning for our salespeople, it's been hard, it's been, you know, and then when people are mad at you, and it's really not your fault, but it just is what it is, um, you have a very it's all of a sudden everyone in the whole company gets kind of depressed. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> I think in, in, you know, in basic terms, Patricia, it's been, it's tested every single one of our values, our principles, our belief in ourselves, our belief in our mm. people, our belief in the economy, the the world around us, um, you know, the whole war in, in, from the Russia side to Ukraine to, yep. Yes. has exited that whole economy. Um, you know, it's just been a, I mean, it's, it's been very, very, very difficult. Mm-hmm. And so for us, it's kind of like just, we just put our hard helmets on now every day. That's what I say. We put our, <laughs> we have to yeah. put our helmets on and go to battle. And it's never do, been like that for us. It's never been that way. Paula, do, and Paul, Paul, I do think your clients just, understand? You know, working our way out of it.
1: Yeah. Do, do you find your clients are understanding, um, you know, when you talk it out and you, you know, really go over the situation, which is not in your control?
2: No, Patricia, to be honest, they're not very understanding. Mm. Um, I think all this pricing that people had to start taking so suddenly, it's just like, you know, it's just like your customers, people who listen to you on the radio and you have the same customers that, you know, you have the same people that you work with like I do. And what's very, very interesting is that all of a sudden we become like enemies. Mm. And it's like, wait a minute, guys, we're not the enemy here. We're we're just trying to stay in business so that we can keep offering you these great products.
1: Mm-hmm. No
2: one's lying. No one's just trying to put it to you. It's the economy. And I think it's taken this long for all the retailers to realize, for for people that we deal with, our, our quick service restaurant customers to realize that this is really happening, you know? So as much as they might kind of, Yell at us and scream at us and tell us, yeah, they're going to quit and they're going to go other places. Um, A lot of them have come back and Mm -hmm. said, "Okay, we were wrong. Let's talk about how we can make product changes. Let's talk about how we can do something different here."
1: You know, Paula, why do you think? Why do you think that that is? Why do you think that is? Why do you think they've come back? What there's an ingredient there that I'm looking for. I mean, they could have just said goodbye. But you said a lot of them have come back. Why do you think that is?
2: Well, I think that what, if I was to, if I was to say it out loud, I think a lot of them thought that we were just lying, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not our method. It's not our way. It's not something yeah. that we would ever do, really. Um, but that once they went and kind of checked around, if you will, um, Mm -hmm. I think they came back because they realized we were not lying about anything. Mm -hmm. We were were actually being very honest with them and we were just trying to, you know, pass through the costs that had hit us and that we could not absorb. Right. So I think, you know... They went out and did their due diligence as they should be doing, you know. Mm-hmm. I, I, I agree totally that they need to be doing their own due diligence and not just believing, you know, what we say. Mm-hmm.
1: Interesting. So I think, I mean, the message, I'm getting a message from that. And that is that if you, if you are honest and you are telling your truth, sometimes you're not going to win them all. But And if you stay consistent and you show the client or the customer that you're really there for them and you explain the situation, many times they'll come back.
2: I think that's true. I think that is true, Patricia. Uh, you know, in this environment, some of them have taken our product off the menu because you don't have to have our product to open in a restaurant. But a lot of times people try to move it off or they try to go to a very inferior product, or they change the level of the quality of the product, and Mm -hmm. then the consumers are upset. Mm. And I think you're going to see some of all that in grocery stores this fall, Patricia. I think there is going to be a series of different things that are going to happen that people are going to be like, wow, they go to the store. It's just like what's happening right now with the baby formula. You yeah. take what's happening with the baby formula right now and multiply that times, you know, not being able to get flour, not being able to get oils and shortening and shortages of sugar and boats stacked up to the millions in the Shanghai Harbor. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's just, you know, it's something that I think we all, not to be negative, but I think it's something that we all need to um, just start our big big boy and big girl pants on and realize Mm -hmm. that we've got to approach these types Mm -hmm. of things like we do everything else with a positive attitude. And we may have some really tough times uh, coming as a country. And I think everyone should just stay as conservative as they can. Don't break out. Now's not a good time to break out all your credit cards and get them all charged up. I would right. say now's probably not a good time to go out and buy a big house and have a big mortgage payment that's more than you can afford. I think mm-hmm. right now it's time to like buckle down and and get to the place where you can live comfortably without having a lot of stuff available right now.
1: Mm-hmm. And that's not such a bad thing, Paula. It re- it, no, really isn't. It's it really isn't. it really isn't. Yeah. Yeah, so, all right, we're going to take a break. And when we come back, we'll talk to Paula Marshall more about passion in business, you know, where uh, small business and large businesses are today. She's in the food manufacturing business. And, you know, what we can do to stay on top of things and not get discouraged during this time during COVID. And Paula Marshall has served as a uh, CEO of Bama Companies, which is a Tulsa-based international food manufacturer. And she's a third generation owner of Bama. Which is long recognized for its high quality products and customer service. It's been recognized, she has been recognized recently by the Oklahoma Hall of Fame and was inducted. Um, her company's also received the prestigious Malcolm Baldrige Quality Award by the U.S. Department of Commerce. She's been volunteered, and her company has done so much for the community and the country at large as well. And you're listening to the Patricia Raskin Positive Living Show
3: on the Voice America Variety Channel. Think of the world 50 years ago. Now think of this same world and how it'll be 50 years from now. Did you know that if the world's population continues to grow at its current rate, our children and grandchildren will only have 25% of the resources per capita that our parents and grandparents had? We must preserve the foundation of a quality standard of living. That foundation starts with Go Green Radio. Join your host, Jill Buck, for Go Green Radio every Friday at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific on Voice America.
4: Tune in to Melody Edmondson's The Space of the Waste radio program.
1: well, hello, everyone, and we are back. We are talking to Paula A. Marshall, and she is the CEO of Bama Industries, and they make all the apple pies and fast food desserts for major food companies, uh, Pizza Hut chains. They also work with McDonald's and have for many years long-standing relationship with McDonald's. And she recently, Paula recently, was inducted in the Oklahoma Hall of Fame, and just last week, or a couple of weeks ago. was an article that Bama Companies is named one of the fastest growing women-owned businesses. And um, yesterday, the Women's President Organization, and this was at the beginning of May, in partnership with J.C. Morgan Chase, revealed it's released its 15th annual ranking of the 50 fastest growing women-owned businesses. And Bama made it this year, ranking 45th, led by Paula Marshall. And talk about that. That is so exciting. And talk about getting in and having that honor.
2: <laughs> well, it's uh you know, I didn't uh I didn't know we were in the running, so that was that was nice. But uh, you know, it's it's a it's nice that uh JP Morgan is our is one of our banks and uh, in fact is our lead bank and and uh you know I guess they just decided as part of their you know diversity and inclusion efforts that they would start looking at uh you know the size of the women-owned businesses in their bank, and that, uh, and then they put together a uh, you know a, a criteria, um, and then I guess they ran us through that, and we were able to, uh, you know, make the list. So that was very nice. It was very nice. We were we were quite mm. surprised, uh, but you know, um, again, I don't go looking for those awards, but I do know that it it helps um, to stay mm. focused on what mm-hmm. you love to do and what you're put here on this planet to do which is why I'm you know I always talk about even in tough times you know I'm still doing my training classes I still talk to people about time management and having a personal mission statement and just because it's tough right now those things don't go away you know that those things mm-hmm. don't leave the planet it's it's that's when you have to double down and that's when you have to really have a personal mission statement, and you really need to have a focus on that personal Mm -hmm. mission statement. Mm -hmm. And I have been telling my team members to really take their personal mission statement and have a uh, comb on it. And keep filtering out things and and places and people that are just not absolutely pertinent and important to Mm -hmm. the overall Right. goal of their life. And so right. when you when you bring everything down, you know, it's it's about your family, your kids, the people that are gonna be there for you when you're sick, you know, and, and, and need help. Um it's your work, it's your teammates, uh it's 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 friends. Uh and and you know, you have to keep combing through those those things and making sure that you're focusing on the right things. And yeah. Bama has yeah. Always I mean you know when my grandmother started it up through when my dad was running it and and dealing with McDonald's personally himself every single day, uh, those relationships are what carry you through you know mm. i I was just on a call with a customer just this week, and we were actually ta- we were actually negotiating contract points mm. and I said and I quoted to him what my dad had had said to me a long time ago, and I said, you know, we can put anything you want to down on this piece of paper. What's going to be important on the long haul is that we both have a relationship and that we trust Mm -hmm. each other Mm -hmm. and that we can, you know, make this work because we can pick up the phone and talk to each other and we can,
1: we can get this going. Very, very important. Paula, what was the criteria for this honor? in terms of, you know, being one of the fastest-growing companies? What was, what was the criteria?
2: Um, as I, as I uh, read through uh, the honor and what they, had, what they had done, was they had done a five-year evaluation of our, basically, company sales. Uh, it wasn't, mm. there was a little bit in there about our profitability, but that was not the main focus. The main focus was our sales.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes, and and sales growth, but again, you know, often the sales growth, as you have written in, in your books, finding the soul of big business, has to do with relationships, right? I mean, unless you have the only oh, it, product it in town, Paula, to right? I yes. mean, if if <laughs> you have the only so. pro- right? I mean, if you have the only product in town and that's it, that's a different story. But today, that isn't true. Other people have products, so it's the relationship that makes such a difference, beside everything else.
2: Exactly, Patricia. It's always the relationship. And that's, again, I was just quoting that this week with one of my customers is, I will, you know, I can say anything, I can do anything. But, you know, if I'm not doing what you want and we aren't having conversations and talking and building a relationship of trust, then I don't know what, you know, how we're going to be successful in our business.
1: You know, I want to say No matter how many contracts we have.
2: You know, I mean, even people who work for companies and the companies are, you know, they talk about how their team members are their most important thing. And, you know, and then people get treated horribly. Um, mm-hmm. That is a that is a trust that I call those trust busters. They bust the trust. They don't yeah. build the trust. Stephen Covey what- calls that emotional bank accounts.
1: Oh and I read that I read that quote all the time when I'm giving webinars. I love that quote on emotional bank accounts. Because yes. and I you want to have say an emotional,
2: and that's really what I'm talking about Patricia when I talk about relationships and having a relationship versus a contract
1: mm-hmm. because
2: you can have a you can have a contract and you can still not have a good relationship because your
1: contract and your relationship are not aligned. Right? And there's another piece here, Paula, and that is those little things that we often don't count, you know, calling that person, texting them, how are you doing? Um, That was a good conversation yesterday, for example, anything else I left out, you know, just like keeping in touch means so much. And I think we often forget that. We don't think it's necessary. Well, it's not necessary, but it's that little glue that keeps you engaged with that person so they know you're still there for them. Talk about that. Right. (laughs)
2: <laughs> well yeah the you know like i said a contract is just a contract it's like we're going to do these perfunctory things and we're not going to do any anymore and if you pick up the phone and have a conversation with that person then you have a much better idea of what you know what they're really talking about what they really need and what they really want and and it's just not written on that paper the paper is like a you know it's a legal document it's it's cold things don't live in the present like that things don't live like that and so that's why we always talk and that's why honestly Patricia McDonald's doesn't have a lot of contracts they don't they don't have contracts really? with suppliers they have trust and they have their word is their bond and it's much more difficult to break a a, a promise to a customer like that then one who just ties you all up in the legal things, and then every time something happens, they refer to page one on, you know, document A, and they just keep reading that paragraph over and over. And so, you know, you get the feeling that everyone has to comply with what they want. And mm-hmm. if it's not a
1: two-way street and it's not an open relationship, then it's probably not going to work. hmm But that comes over time, right, Paula? It's not like a one-off. It's not like, oh, well, I'm going to, you know, talk to you for three months. It comes over time and growth. Yes. I mean, it's like,
2: you know, if you read, like you teach Covey, if you read the Covey principles of seven habits, uh, things happen over time. Things are earned. Trust is earned. Right. Uh, You know, the right to have a relationship with this this person is, you know, I used to say to, to, you know, guys that I would be, you know, going out with or whatever, do you think there's love at first sight? And I think there is an attraction, but when you see people that have that attraction and then a year later they're divorced or a year later they're, uh, you know, not together, um, but then you see people that are celebrating 75-year relationships, Yeah. Um, you know, what's the difference You know, Mm -hmm. what's the difference there? Is it that trust was earned over time between the two two people, or Mm -hmm. was it a flash in the pan? You know, and so you really start thinking about that. What matters over time is that I like this person. This person is a good person. I like they're a friend of mine. You know, I have the spark for them, but I also have the other things, you know, that are much more important in a relationship.
1: Very, very important and very good points. And I want to say to the, to the listeners, pick up Paula's book, which she wrote probably 20 years ago. And everything in here is so important. It's Finding the Soul of Big Business, One Company's Ego Elimination Strategy. And, you know, those principles are, are still as, as crisp as they were then, Paula. You know, I mean, it really. you really look at how, how do you work with people? I mean, that's what it's all about. So it's a great book. And when you look at the Covey principles too, you know, Stephen Covey wrote those probably
2: 30 years ago Mm -hmm. and companies kind of come and go on these things, you know, Uh, management system. I've been, I've been talking to some people this week. We've had a big uh, golf event here called the PGA and we've all been together a lot, you know, out on the golf course and in our, in our tent, you know, that we were sharing with a couple of other companies, and uh, the real, you know, I mean, I really kept hearing, you know, the new companies come in, they, you know, we're we're not as, we don't like them as much as we like the family, the family built up a lot of trust, Mm -hmm. and these were some other friends of mine that had sold their businesses and things, and people just coming down to our part of the, you know, the tent and asking, you know, what makes you guys, what makes you guys? You guys, you know, like, how mm-hmm. do you not fixate on, you know, financials and and yeah. beat people up over these financials and and it's you know it's a process. It's not you know it's not a it's not a, a person that did something wrong. It's a process. The work on the process. Those types of things that are dimming principles and also covey principles. Um, and for whatever reason, big business. You know, I wrote that 20 years ago. Stephen Covey wrote his thing 30 years ago. We're still teaching these things. You know, we're still teaching these things to business. Because management systems come and go. And I believe strongly that private equity and stock, you know, public stockholders have very unrealistic expectations of business and what things can really be done. And... When people are being traded in a, in a sale of a company, you know, what is the capacity of those people? You can, you can figure out capacity on machines sometimes, but it's really hard to figure out what people's capacity is because it's really unlimited. But if you don't tap into that, you know, if you don't use your imagination and try to tap into that, like Stephen Covey and Dr. Deming used to talk about, then people are unmotivated and they just walk around like, you know, uh, they're the living dead, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and that's yeah. when I can always tell. I can always tell when somebody's either going through a management change or a company has come in and is really changing the culture because you can see it in people's eyes. You can feel yeah. it in their conversation. Yeah. You know, you can you can tell because yeah. they they look very unhappy mm-hmm. and they just don't but, like it. They don't like what they're doing. And so that's not a good way to build but a future think, with people. I, I think because it comes from probably, the top, though. As, as now, I, more than ever, they're probably yeah. not going to be there.
1: Yeah, and I think it comes from the top, Paula. It does. It comes from... Oh, absolutely.
2: Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah.
1: And I think, I mean, you I've know... I I've never um, worked
2: for somebody like Jeff Bezos. I've never worked for somebody like you know... Uh, the Microsoft guys i have never worked for anybody like Elon Musk. I mean, you know, it's like those guys are brilliant. They've gone through the financial schools. Um, But their limitation is that they're so brilliant that they forget that other people have feelings and other people are not robots. You know, other people need respect. They need encouragement. They need to be told that they're good people and that they're loved and that, that, Mm -hmm. you know, Everything is going to be fine. You know, we're going to
1: do this together. You know all the corporate espionage that goes on. You know, well, it was funny because we've talked about this before, and I bring it up often. But when I came to Tulsa and I asked for, I wanted to see your office, (laughs) and Matt, your assistant, said it's over there. It's there, and I said, "Where is it?" And because your office looks like someone's living room, I mean, it's beautiful couches, and there is a desk, but it's all couches, and it's it, there's there's no, bo- uh, there's no boundary. You know, you're all sitting around together, and I thought that was so indicative of the way that you operate, really, is you're saying, look, we're all coming together as people. I'm not going to sit behind my desk, and you're going to, the two of you or three of you are going to sit over here. It was, it was right. very special. <laughs> very you special. Know,
2: Patricia, a lot of guys that's their medal of honor that they wear you know they they don't put their necessarily they don't put their mbas or whatever up on the wall sometimes they do um they don't have that they don't have that hanging on their clothing but the way they they make you aware that they are somebody and something and they've done some some great things is by how big their office is how big their desk is you know, how, how, how big is all this stuff? And it's really sad, but, you know, I mean, I've talked to people in corporate America that said, you know, sometimes it comes down to how big is your wastebasket? Do you get extra stuff in your office, like a plant? Do you have a window? Um, I mean, I, I, I find that absolutely just incredulous, but mm-hmm. It's because they aren't valued in any other way. And that's their only way to scream, you know, I matter. I'm something. I'm somebody. Mm -hmm. And it, it doesn't always, um, equate, you know, to what, how they measure performance, you know, perform the measurements on performance are always very calculating and very robotic and very unemotional. And they mm-hmm. come down to people's opinions, you know, and it, yeah. it, it can yeah. be very hurtful and it can be a very negative situation in a company when all those conversations are going on. Um, so, so we try well, well, to just ha- discuss pay once a year and we do it with market rates. We don't do any kind of linkage or discussion to any. We have, a, it's just a very, here's the market rate for your job. Here's how long you've been here. We're going to pay you at the seventy fifth percentile, and we're going to share profits with you and Here it is and we spend about two weeks out of every year talking about it. The rest of the time we talk about how can we help you be the best you can be, how can we that's help great. you be uh, you know the greatest person? how can we help you in your personal life? Can we help you with any legal problems you have? Can we help make your life better and that's really that's really our whole you know, people systems approach. And you, you know that. You've been around Bama. You know how we do it. It's yeah, I'm not just absolutely. sitting here telling you that on the phone. I mean, this really yeah. happens. Yeah, and it so, does. Yeah. you know, if we could ever just get corporate America to stop treating people like widgets and, and bolts and computer circuitry and wires and, it, you know... We could all be so much better off, and the companies would be so much better off, and people would have better lives and not have to, you know, mm-hmm. struggle through wondering if they're going to get laid off the very first time there's a downturn, you know? so
1: Which is... That's, which is
2: that's one of yeah. the reasons we got selected yeah. to be on that list was, you know, because we've grown, and we've grown because our customers have asked us to grow, and we've, yeah. they've invested in us.
1: Yeah. And Cheers. I think a lot
2: of companies can't necessarily say that, so I'm very proud to proud to have been selected.,
1: oh. so Paula, what would you say what would be your closing thoughts to other companies, whether they're small or large, that you know have really struggled during covid any any motivational thoughts you would like to leave our listeners with today?
2: Well. I would I would first of all I would love to commend everyone that's listening that has a business that the small business that they're trying to keep open and keep going and they don't have team members coming in and helping them do it or maybe they only have one or two team members and they need five or six or seven. Um you know I would say hurrah for you for keeping on going and for putting the effort in when a lot of people the government money and closed and went mm-hmm. on a vacation. Mm-hmm. Um, and to the people that are coming in, the folks that are coming in, the one person that's coming in to work a bar and restaurant that's got 75 people waiting for food and you're the only person there, I just commend those folks. And every time I'm in a shop or a store and there's only one pe- person and there used to be five I just thank those people so much. Every time I see a police officer, Patricia, I thank them. Every time I see, you know, the National Guard or someone that's coming from the military, I try to thank them. And I think that a lot of times we don't, we just don't regard our workforce as important as we should. Absolutely. Um, Management, at the end of the day, we're overhead. We need to... Appreciate and love and give big hugs to the folks that come in and make our livings for us, you know, and that's what that's what we try to do at Bama every day.
1: Well, and you and you do it. I mean, I've been there. You do it. and, And your your work is so exemplary, Paula. And it's really an honor to interview you. And we've been doing this for a long time. And every time we talk, there's something new. You know, there's a new twist. There's a new turn. I mean, we come up with new ideas. So it's really wonderful. And I want to thank you so much for being on the program. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah, stay on for a second. All right, folks, that wraps up this edition of the Patricia Raskin Positive Living Show. My guest has been Paula A. Marshall. She's the CEO of Bama Industries. They make all the apple pies for McDonald's and Walmart, and and uh, they've grown the company from 35 million to 350 million. And she was just inducted in the Tulsa Home, in the Oklahoma Hall of Fame, and just received a, another award for one of the fastest-growing companies there. So very exciting. All right, remember, stay healthy, stay happy, get the support you need, and know you can dream, make your dreams true if you're thinking of doing your own podcast and want to get your positive message out there contact me patricia at Raskin.com. and also if you want to get my newsletter so you can see all the great guests i have on each week same thing patricia Raskin.com. and you can find me on facebook patricia raskin raskin resources until next time have a great week bye for now thank you for tuning in to this week's edition
0: of the patricia raskin show Be sure to join Patricia Raskin and another amazing guest next Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have an outstanding week.